In this week's podcast, we talked to Rich Karg and also special guest Aaron Vance. They are two Nashville guys here doing songwriting, publishing, co-writing, and pretty much everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the episode. So hey, Richard, how's it going today? I've had a great day, Nathan, and I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on to Community of Confident Musicians, your podcast. This is awesome. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's been a long time since we've even like talked or knew we, knew we existed or whatever. <laughs> I think I saw you at Third and Lindsley maybe ten years ago at I think an Eric Pasley show. Has it been ten years? I think that's how long ago it was. Maybe it was like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, maybe around seven or eight. I know I've seen. Eric at least twice at uh, Thurn Lindsley, but I pretty much go anywhere where he's playing. I don't care. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you've been up to since we left MTSU and forty years ago. Yeah, oh, okay. um, <laughs> all those many years ago. Okay, well, let's see. In two thousand five, I graduated, and I was going through the recording industry major uh, in the College of Mass Communications at MTSU. And my brother and I, as you know, were in a duo. And my brother graduated one year after that. But immediately after graduation, Andy and I signed an artist developmental publishing deal with Universal Music Publishing. Wow. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. And we did that for another two and a half, three years. And he decided that it wasn't for him and moved to where he's now with his, uh, with his wife in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And at that point, I decided to pursue, uh, I guess, dip my toe into pursuing an artist career. And that I think I really quickly learned that I just wanted to be on the creative end of things. Yeah, totally. So maybe about 2009, uh, I I ended up um, getting married to uh, a girl that I was seeing there towards the end of the Karg Brothers and um, thus began the road that I am on today, which is trying to write number ones for country radio. It's been a very consistent goal the whole time for me. That's great. So that was like, that was, that was it from like the beginning is like, I just want to hit write number ones for whoever would cut them. Yep. It's that simple. That's really cool. Yep. So how many number ones have you had so far? (laughs) None yet. (laughs) Uh, In my head, I've had about a hundred Oh, yeah. But, um, it probably takes writing at least 100 to get one good one, right, sometimes? And at least that's what I hear most songwriters say. It's like, you got to write 20 just to get a good one, you know, or whatever it is. I heard, uh, I don't n- quite know what my opinion would be on that, but I, I wrote, my brother and I wrote with an amazing songwriter named Paul Kennerly, an Englishman, and... Uh, our publisher at Universal Publishing set that up. And, and Paul uh, has a fascinating story himself. Basically, 
was rooming with, uh, I believe, Glenn Johns back yeah. in back in back on back in the pond. I used his method the all pond. the time for recording drums, and that was kind of his uh, introduction into the music business. I think he was like just into marketing, you know, yeah. a music fan that was that was going the route of marketing. Anyways, Paul Kennerly uh, ends up. Really getting into country music, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. I mean, he's just totally into it. And again, this is over in England, and he's got this uh, connection to the music business through Glenn Johns, and writes a concept album, a country music concept album. I believe it's called White Mansions. I, I'm probably murdering that, but. Uh, he, I think through Glenn, he, he, he got to actually make it professionally and it garnered all this interest. Anyways, he comes to, ends up in Nashville and uh, is, ends up writing for the same publishing company that my brother and I ended up at. But in between that time and when he first came to Nashville, he was um, husband to, co-producer, co-writer with... Um, Emmy Lou Harris. Wow. That's cool. Uh, wrote some really cool songs for some of my favorite artists like Patty Loveless. Anyways, speaking to your point, Paul Kennerly told me and my brother, you know, and this is a different era of songwriting, but he his theory was that every songwriter gets two great songs a year if they're full time at it. They only really get two really unique hits sure, yeah. a year which is an interesting metric. I don't know if it's true. If, I, I think Ashley Gorley would, <laughs> you know, be laughing at that. But, yeah. But the, well, I always hear that the, the roads to success is, like, is laid with failure, right? So not saying that every song you write is a failure, but if you only get two hit songs a year, well, you got to write a lot of not-so-great songs, I guess, to get those two amazing ones right so yeah just gotta keep keep failing keep writing keep working through stuff to find the little gems or the little nuggets of gold i guess right i love talking about that i have um another cool story don schlitz is a guy that my brother and i got to work with and and he i remember one of the things he said is man i was just always writing songs and the muscle was always being used you know the mm -hmm. muscle of songwriting and when I got lucky or successful in business, was it was because I was keeping that muscle going, and I just got opportunities in the, you know. It, but if I hadn't been exercising that muscle on my own the whole time, I wouldn't have been able to make anything of those opportunities. Right. You know, and those opportunities come and they go, and you keep exercising that muscle because if you're going for it maybe another opportunity will come your way that's pretty cool yeah so just you're always doing it you know that's really cool so after andy moves away you're kind of trying to do your own like artist thing for a while yeah i'd say that lasted for let's see 2009 maybe maybe about a year i would book gigs um whether it be a showcase opening up for uh, a friend um, 
at third in Lindsley or twelfth in Porter. I had some gigs like that, and then uh, my wife was uh, living in both New York and Nashville at the time. So I'd go up to uh, New York and play some gigs, which was cool, uh, different. But um, I, you know, I. I've always thought that what my brother and I did was extremely different from relative to everybody else, you mm-hmm. know. And I thought it gave me a good sense of what it takes to stick out. And I just didn't believe that I, as a solo artist, between wanting to be in front of an audience all the time and like that different factor ever, you know, I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't right. want it. You know, I didn't want to be out out there selling it. I wanted to be more behind the scenes and really writing the songs. That's cool. So we actually have a guest here. Why don't you introduce your guest and kind of kind of transition from your solo stuff into writing behind the scenes and how you got to work with other people. So go ahead and lead into that. Well, at the age of what was it, 25, it only took me seven years to graduate college. Um, I signed a publishing deal early on, and uh, I really wasn't, uh, you know, there were some maybe sparks or flashes of good writing, but I I think it took me a long time to really kind of learn who I was and am, at at least up to this point, as a writer. And I definitely feel more confident about that now. And, and I feel like I've, I've put in a lot of time doing it. But between that time and now, you work with certain people and you learn different things and artists come and you work with them for a period of time and then they go and they move to the next thing. And uh, probably about six years ago, my songwriting teacher from MTSU calls me up and says, hey, Rich, and by the way, that's... Hal Newman. Oh, yeah, the one and only. <laughs> Hal Newman um, of Windy Holler Music. He and his wife, Rachel, uh, I actually had lunch with him today and told him I was coming over here, and he said to say hi to you. Very cool. Yep. Awesome. He, he calls me up six years ago, seven maybe, says, hey, uh, I've, I've got this, you know, fella that that is going to be over here at Windy Hall or music. And I want to know if you would like to uh, meet him and maybe, maybe write some. So I said, heck yeah, man. And we got together. And the very first time that we got together, we wrote a song that is awesome. Yeah. Yes, it is. And his name is Aaron Vance. Aaron Vance. Oh yes. How y'all doing? (laughs) So if you didn't know, we had another guy here. Yeah. (laughs) And it was a, it was a, a great surprise, pleasant surprise. Because I like the more and the merrier for me is like, hey, you want to talk about music? Yeah. I got time for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your grace, graciousness. No, that's great. Yeah. So, so let's this concentrate on Aaron a little bit. Let's kind of hear your backstory, and then let's bring it back together for you and Rich, and kind of talk about what you're doing now together. I moved up here about uh, seven years ago, and. Um, well, I just pretty much um, I, I had a I had a band back in Mississippi, and uh, we were just playing like little places here and there. We had a show um, at a truck stop. That was like one of my first shows at a truck stop, 
And uh, we did a few songs and did a song that we wrote called um, Mississippi Rock Rose. And I took that song actually up to, uh, brought it up here to Nashville to a guy. I think that the guy's name was Jim Prater. And, uh, and I was dealing with a lady at the time. She was my manager or whatever at the time. And uh, so he asked me, uh, could I move up here? And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, and that would end up moving up here. But I got out of a deal with that lady and uh, ended up getting with uh, Hal, Hal uh, Newman. Mm-hmm. And Hal kind of got with me one day. He said, Aaron, he said, we're not going to write with you this week. He said, but uh, I got a guy that's going to write with your name, Rich Carr. I said, all right. And uh, so I went over all to the green, uh, over to the hills <laughs> to meet with him. And uh, we wrote. And the first song we ever wrote was a song called uh, My Two Weeks. And I think when I met him, I was working at uh, Cracker Barrel. That would, uh, that's the job that transferred up here so I can move up here. Sure, yeah. And you so know, there's uh, a Cracker Barrel like every corner, right? Yeah. So you just go to any one of them. It yeah. Doesn't matter. Worked at the one <laughs> over on uh, West End, Char- uh, not West End, uh, over on Charlotte Pike. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, and at the time, I was having a little. Uh, it, it was it was going. It wasn't going too good for the dishwasher. I was a dishwasher, so it wasn't going too good for me. <laughs> and so uh, we came in and uh, wrote a song called "My Two Weeks," and uh, that's been seven years ago. Wow. And so we've been uh, writing on and off. And, um, and the idea behind that song, I was at a job for a long time that was just yeah, the worst you job. Yeah, you were too, absolutely, I don't know how I hung in there that long. <laughs> but it was, I think it was, it, the idea is in our head, what would happen if, if we turned in our two weeks? How would that go down, you know? Yeah. And it's like this dude totally sticking it to his boss. You know, this, this is my two weeks. You can't do the way you do me. I'm talking about every time you screwed me. You're lucky it ain't just two seconds. And, buddy, for the record, when I leave, I ain't never coming back. I ain't never coming yeah, back. I ain't cool. never coming back. And this is my two weeks. <laughs> so... It's a nice little story song, and I'm really it rocks. It All rocks. Right. The funny thing about it is that this is the first time we that we have met. <laughs> right. I'm from fresh out of Mississippi. I'm talking about when I say fresh out of Mississippi. I'm talking about a road called Eggville Road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, fresh out of Mississippi over here in, in the hills. You know, and uh, we were writing, and I'm and we were. I I didn't go to school to um to um you know I didn't go to MTSU or anything like that. I just came up yeah. here, you know, and we started writing, man. It was like blowing my mind because the way he writes is totally different from how I was writing, you know. And it was like the first day when I got home, I went to sleep. <laughs> my brain had been worked that much, but it was good, you know. Well, and, uh, go, go into that real fast. So what's your usual style and how does it compare to what? Well, my Rich first does? song that I ever wrote was a song called Country DNA. Okay. You know, so I was... That's an awesome song. That was your first song first you song. ever wrote. I don't believe that. That's first an incredible song. song. <laughs> I was doing... Uh, no, y'all, this is a great song. We you might have to hear that guys. here in a while. It's was, a great song. I was doing um, Gutters at the time, Metal uh, metal Roofs. Uh, I had two horses. I had probably about 20 dogs. I had a four-wheel drive. And... Everything I did on the weekend was never in town. Never in town. The only time I had to go to town, closer to town, just to get gas to put in the four wheel or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or put gas in the truck just to, you know, to go get the horses shoot or something like that. But we went to the Amish to do all that. But that's what I, that's the light, that's where I come from. And so the first song I wrote was Country DNA. 
uh, know how to work, know how to play. And um, you think it's like it's like an outlaw country kind yeah, of Yeah, that's what that's or? what I grew up on. But I also like, you know, stuff like Randy Travis, George Strait and stuff like okay. that. So I grew yeah. up on all that type of stuff. And uh, and my dad's a preacher now. So growing up, I already had it rough because the preacher's kids are always the worst ones. You oh, know? sure, so, yeah. You know, you have to put your knuckles up just to prove to, to prove to everybody else that, you know, Hey man, I'm just I'm just here for the ride, you know. <laughs> and yeah. so um with that, um that's that's a song that um I pretty much got I sat down and uh I wrote and that's the first song that I wrote that uh, I could play along with a Waylon song because um Lonesome Money Remain a Waylon song was the first song I ever played. So Yeah, that's cool. Um and so with with, with riding with Rich, it was totally different. I you know, I just you know, take a look at me. Tell me what you see. Do you see color? Do you see country? Writing with Rich was totally different. You know, because I'm writing with somebody that didn't didn't write the country I wrote. You know? Right. So it's totally. It's like having football cleats on and and you on a baseball field. <laughs> you know, it worked, but <laughs> you know. And Rich, what, what what do you think your style is, or do you have a style? Do you just kind of write whatever comes to you, or I can tell you where I'm at right now. Um, back then, I was writing for a publisher named Woody Bomar, mm-hmm. and um, I was writing with a lot of different people, and it was just get in there and produce, and I was the track guy, so I also had to make the demo, so it was just a lot of time investment. Oh, yeah. But um, right now... I, I, at the beginning of every year, I have, I'm a very goal oriented. I'll hang posters up, you know, like if it weren't for my wife, I would have one like right beside my bed, you know, and it would be the first and last thing I see. But uh, last couple years, I've, because I believe music is so, such a um, language of emotion. Uh, I, I think melody is is the most important thing. So last two years, I've my goal has been to write better melodies and to write and produce a demo on at least one song that I wrote totally by myself a month. Cool. And I'm not talking about just like a guitar and a voice. I'm talking like if Richard was the next Dan Huff, what kind of track would, would I be putting out? You know what I mean? Right, so right. really trying. That's cool. Really trying. And um, well, it caught me, I think I was on your Instagram or Facebook or something, but you were talking about like mixing and mastering is like, well, I didn't know he did any of that. I just thought he was a songwriter, you know, but you kind of have to know a little bit of everything these days. Otherwise you're going into to a studio and you're working off of their time. But if you can just if you can have a home set up or wherever that you can scratch out ideas or do a quick mix and a master just to throw up on Spotify or your SoundCloud or whatever, I mean that's mm-hmm. a great skill to have, you know, if you yes. can do all that. So that's that's good. And you know the coolest thing about it, I, I could talk about this for all night long. It's amazing to well, me. I got to like three o'clock, so I'm good. <laughs> when you're writing a song by yourself. The when a lot of the, uh, the co-writing is is um, it's BS because what what it is is two people that are in a hurry to produce something. Mm-hmm. Nah, man, the best songs can take years. 
they can take seven years. So why? So just the even I, I feel weird sometimes saying I got to do this in a month. You know, I got to write a song by myself in a month. Sometimes I feel like, gosh, man, that's too much. You know, that's not enough time. But really what that does is it, you know, I'm also writing with Aaron. I'm writing with Aham. I'm writing with Patrick. I'm writing with this person, this person, with Reagan Stewart, you know, with, with all these different people. And if I'm doing it by myself and on the side, I'm doing, I'm putting equal effort into something I'm working on with somebody else, it all just is just it all makes everything stronger. So back to the individual song, when I'm writing a song by myself and I'm tracking it and I'm mixing it at the same time, focusing on making the best melodies, coming up with an idea that I love, that I just know in my heart doesn't matter what uh, this guy at this place might say about it or this guy at this place might think about it. If I love it, I'm going to sit there over the course of that month and develop that idea. So what I do is I, I get... I eke out the the lyric, you know, and I'll think about it before I go to bed. You know, I'll be looking at it. Uh, I'll go go into my office every day and work on it. But when you're making that track, you get the skeleton of your lyric. And when you're in the studio, the, the melody that you r- write right then, you can rewrite it. Yeah. I mean, it's the lyric. You can rewrite. So you really, like, I find myself... Even at the like, very last, before the song is, quote, done, I'll be rewriting lyric right until the very end. So working on the track gives your brain time to get away from the lyric. But what your brain is really doing is, yeah, you're, you're concentrating on a track, but there's a part of that brain that's still working on that lyric. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so how it all fits together, you know. And it buys you the time. It's a right. beautiful... Uh, synergy or, 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 or process really so I, I've, I'm of the opinion that they're one and the same now for me That's tracking cool. it and writing it yeah it's the same thing because I mean for me as a producer or any anybody that's a producer I mean you're trying to see and try and see and hear like the mm. end result even before the first track is done you know but you're also in that process you're you do have some leeway to tweak and kind of mm-hmm. be like, oh, what would, what would a shaker sound like right here? Or what are like a, this bass line or, or how does this part accentuate yeah. what the melody is already doing? You know, because you've got the counterpoint and all that stuff. So As opposed to two guys sitting in a room under the clock, one um, very quickly decides that he really doesn't even want to be there. So, <laughs> you know... Um, <laughs> So let's just get through this. Or, or, you know, I mean, how many times have we all been through that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have to go through the BS of, oh, yeah, this is a great song. You know, come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then there are times when it works beautifully, you know? I I don't know. I don't know. But that's where I'm at right now. You asked me what, and I'm I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but it just happens to be my favorite subject in the world of all time, so. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) That's cool. So what is a, uh, tell me about a a co-writing process. Like for you two, when you get into a room, like do you come with like some some thoughts already figured out or you just have a blank slate or what happens? I I did a, a hook. I have a hook or... I mean, most of the time it, it works out for a, a hook with me, yeah. you know, and and bring it in and and if 
it goes from there. It's like, uh, how would you put it? I'm a big Western fan, and I like compare, I you know, painting pictures. So, mm -hmm. if you ever seen uh, Pale Rider, the Clint Eastwood movie Pale Rider, he's a preacher that goes to this village, but he's supposed to be a preacher from the dead, mm. and uh, he brings this uh, village together to fight against this guy called the Hood that owns this valley, and he wants to push these people out of this valley, and Clint Eastwood goes this big boulder in this in this valley after after uh, punching this guy in the face which is supposed to be like one of the hitmen for the this uh this hood guy and um he takes this sledgehammer and he hits the rock when he hit the rock the rock splits in two because they they're looking for gold out there right and when he hit the rock the guy next to him started working with him and he hit then he hit and he hit that's how that co right works so I bring in there something that's cool he bring in there something we just started next thing you know you got an album so that's how you know when it, to me that's how co-writing go because you know there's been times I may go in with nothing and he have a hook and everything and it just boom it, you know I throw something in there then it's, it's it goes and and that's how it goes with me, you know, for co-writing and like, everything. That's... I think it's interesting because with the hook, sometimes it can be like open-ended. Yeah. Or sometimes it's so specific that it's kind of hard to write verses to. I don't know. Like, how does that work? I write a hook. I want you. I write a chorus first. Yeah. I but write... then, like, but how do you accentuate the chorus with the verses? Like, how? How is there a process for that? Do you think or? You're just trying to think of like a cool story or like what's a cool angle that we can yeah. kind of uh, support the chorus with, you know. It's depending on, I guess it depends on, to, it's, to me it's depending on what you're talking about. It's depending yeah. on what, you you know, like I got a hook, uh, Blue Collar High Life, got a hook, it went, um, I wake up every morning stretching in the yawning. Uh, Cup of coffee on my front porch to alter to alter my ego. All right. Yeah, but you uh, didn't even rhyme with the B section though. I'm just kidding. It's just <laughs> what I would do with a verse on that would live in the blue collar life. Everything is the same under the sun, pretty much. Ain't nothing mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. It may be new to us, but it's up under the sun. It ain't. It's it's right. The same old. Uh, time keeps going on, but you just got to live it no matter what. And so. I would write to the chorus. That's how it is for me. I can't. It's hard for me to write a verse and then a chorus. I would have to write a chorus first, then a verse. I, I write a chorus, then write the verse to it. Right. And it uh, it always unfold to me that way. It it it's easy for me to to write it that way. Now this is the question for both of you. Is it hard? I hear it's hard to write a second verse. Is it hard for you, or is it just? Are some second verses easier than others? Well. At any one given time, I'm literally working on 15 songs. And what I mean by that is in my phone, I've got 15, 30, 45, I'm not joking, ideas that I'm just like <laughs> always working on. Oh, yeah. And when you are doing that, over the course of years, you get a lot of those ideas and you get a lot of stuff on them. Right. So in my 
estimation. We're dealing with the language, the me- the melody. I'm sorry, the the language of emotion, and it's so much about melody. And to me, when I spend that much time thinking about it, it's just that it's it's no problem come up with second verses. It's if if there's a second verse problem, if I'm having a problem, it just means I haven't spent enough time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And to confine that to one co-write on one day, I think that's where a lot of people are losing. You know, it's 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 really um, quality mm. verses, right. right? Yeah. But differentiating your sections is where, it, for me, it always starts. If the verse doesn't sound completely different than the chorus, and people don't know it's a chorus. Mm. Right. You know, I mean, it's that easy. And mm-hmm. tracks are their own. I mean, it's it's funny because it's 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 actually all business. It's all business. Think about the business of it. There's two copyrights. There's underlying, and then there's track copyright. So you got to right. tell a story with your lyric, mm-hmm. and maybe not necessarily story. Stories are very rarely told these days, like story songs. Yeah. But but for the sake of what we're talking about, and then you've got to tell a story with that track. Mm-hmm. So back to your Blue Collar High Life song. Mm-hmm. For those of you who check out this record, it's called Cabin Fever by Aaron Vance. That's what we've been referencing. Yeah. Uh, it's the first track on there. And uh, it's got that, um, let's see. Bo Diddley type, yeah. Which is breaking in sections. So we, the verse Rhythm is that bonk, chunk, bonk. But when that chorus hits, and, and I don't know if you noticed the rhythm of his words, I wake up every morning stretching and yawning. It's, it's much, there's way more syllables in there right. per, yeah. per measure. So we go from bonk, 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 to bonk, 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 into your chorus, you know? Differentiate your sections. That's cool. You know, spend a lot of time thinking about that lyric. Yeah. <laughs> that's the formula, I guess. Well, that's good. That's great. And live it. Yeah. Always live what you tell. If you don't live what you tell or some, know somewhat of it, it'll always come hard for, for you to write it. Yeah. It'll come hard for you to write it. To me, it does. But with with our process, back to that question, I'd like to talk about it because yeah. I think it's I think it's a really good case. I, yeah. I think it's been it's been fun. Um, I like to say that there's a, th- a million ways to skin a cat. It's a, kind of oh, a cliche, yeah. right? But in songwriting, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna make a life of it, why not be open to every way yeah. that there mm-hmm. is to write a song? Oh yeah, well yeah. And remember, this is a, a business as well. So when you look at the boys in L.A doing their thing, and you got 10 writers on that. Well, what does that really mean? Does that mean 10 guys got together for a two-hour session? Right. No way. Word for a third or whatever. Hmm. (laughs) My guess, and I'm not positive about this, but I would guess that that would mean that this guy is really good at programming this sound. Mm -hmm. Or this guy is a really good lyricist, or this guy is a really good tambourine player i don't know you know what i'm you know what i'm saying but um so what does that mean that means that you can have a song that is a 
all right, it's between me and Aaron. It could be a true collaboration where we got in the room and we started from a melody mm-hmm. or from a title, or it could be, hey, man, I got a verse and a chorus. I need a second verse or I need a middle eight or a bridge. Mm-hmm. And the deals that I make with people when I write with them and and doing writing the way that I I do it, which is with my rig and I'm, you know, hoping to get a demo with them is that whatever we come up with, we co-write equal shares. Mm-hmm. We own our own publishing, you know, and if we track something, the law is that whoever's vocal, the lead vocal is, is part owner on the track. Right. You know, that's so cool. I know that that's, that's good. Yeah. And if they're a, a main contributor on the as a, as a player, so we both own the track. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and I, and I just think of it as a total and there are songs that we started from the ground up. Yeah. Let let's think about that. What what was the song that we started ground up on this record? Oh, man, uh Lost in the Mix. Lost uh, in the Mix is an yeah. amazing example of it. It's yeah. one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And he Came, you say, I want to write a song called Lost in the Mix. Lost in the Mix, yeah. And we just hashed out this incredible idea Man. about what's going on around us culturally. And we came up with the chorus. I mean, literally, we spent all day, the first day, just just getting the verse, trying verse, to, verse set well, up. We've spent the whole day trying to figure out how can we make it, because Lost in the Mix is something getting lost mm-hmm. in something. But we was trying to make, yeah, make it. Get it's lost a negative. In the yeah, it's a negative. So we were making it like get lost in the mix of music. Oh, okay. you know, that's, that's, that's what we need to be at during this time of this pandemic, you know. Right. Listen and to a music, m- metaphor for the social unrest yeah. and, and, you know, all the craziness that's yeah. going on out there. So we come up with this chorus, and then literally we're going home, we're driving home, and he says the line that seals the chorus that makes it totally, you know, we're, this, this idea is just floating there. Yeah, just, right. And we even set it, and it's weird because we were able to set it up with the verse. And, but what we ended up coming up with was in the verse is like Hendrix on electric, like three chord blues sung by Elvis. Redefine the status quo and live your life in stereo. The chorus is in a crazy world, the only fix. Throw your headphones on and get lost in the mix. From the city streets on out to the sticks, turn the volume up and get lost in the mix. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm so proud of that, yeah, man. Yeah, we was like, we was like, okay, we got back the next day. We was like, on it. But boy. I remember you came up with that crazy in a crazy world, the only fix line, yeah, you know, which is crazy. like the first line in the chorus. As yeah. we were going home, you called me up. We thought we had the first line, but you yeah. ended up coming up with that line instead. Okay, another way of, of skinning yeah. the cat. Aaron posts this song that he has, which ends up being the title track of the record, <laughs> in uh, its entirety. And I just hit him up on his post, on his Facebook post. It's him out in his front porch in his overalls picking this song about how he has cabin fever. And dude, I love songs, man. I'd never heard a song called Cabin Fever. That's a great freaking title. Oh, hasn't anybody written that yet? We're going through a pandemic. What's going on? I've heard The Fever. Remember uh, Aerosmith mm-hmm. had that? Oh, yeah. 
uh, cat scratch fever. Uh, what are some other fever titles? Uh, I've seen some out there, but when you listen to them, it's like, that's their version. Fever, boom, yeah. Boom, boom, dun, yeah, man. It's like it's, a thing. Like, right, if, if you were to write a, a song, a book about song titles there would have to be write a song with the the word fever in it you know mm -hmm. and cabin fever why the hell has nobody written cabin fever and he just did it and it was so cool it wasn't a love song it was it was it was about something it was about yeah. something other than love and it was really good and he came to me and he says hey man i'm so happy you like this would you help me finish it yeah. And I swear to God, Nathan, I've been doing it a long time since we've known each other. I've, that's all I've been doing. And I'm ashamed at how little success of monetarily I've had. I wish I wish I could say I've had 30 number ones. But I've had my nose to the grindstone. And not many people, not many people bring ideas to the table. I, every time it happens, I'm always like, thank you. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. You know, and he brought me this idea and I was so thankful. And we came up with a few lines, yeah. you know, and uh, that you thought beat what you had. Yeah, and, and it did. And we made the demo at the same time. And I was working a little bit with uh, in the studio with, with a producer that was showing me how to his philosophy on. Uh, miking acoustic guitars mm. and so I was uh, at the same time looking at his at Aaron's artistry thinking man I really like the way he plays his guitar I think it's interesting I think it's different and so I just took the opportunity to really try to mic his guitar well on that particular song and that's what the basis of that track is is around his unique playing style and I was so happy to get to collaborate on that song with you, man. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I just wrote it. I got up one morning, put my hat on. And your overalls. And overalls. <laughs> can we play it for you? And you man, sure can. Can was, we grab our guitars yeah, and play let's, it? Let's do, Dude, it. let's do this. It was man. crazy, man. We'll reposition the mics and get that going. It was crazy. And then when I wrote it, I was like, huh, I think that'd be good enough. I guess I'm going to put it up now. <laughs> yeah, set this. Sitting at home, trying not to stay stoned. My baby got me loving even all night long. I'm healthy as a horse, but I eat like a hog. Front porch picking in my overalls, y'all. This old fender never said a sweet Picking, yeah, I got cabin fever, yeah. Every morning I thank the Lord for seeing a day I've never seen before. My TV screen like a looking glass, but the good book says this too shall pass. 
the St. Peter. Lord have mercy, I got cabin fever. Just so tickled pink. I, I love that song. It's a jam. That is a jam. Yeah, just some man. I, I woke up that morning. I had broke out a uh, broke out a, a bottle of uh, Gentleman Jack, and I got to messing around, messing around. And I'm like, man, I was just like, and I was like, hmm. Sitting at home, trying not to stay stoned. So I just like, okay, so what can I do? What can I do to, like you said, paint this picture with the track? And so I love with the, with the melody. Strings. With the melody. I mean, it's yeah. a great, it's simple, but it's a great melody. Simple is hard to write sometimes. But on that, like I said, fun, that was a lot of thing of a big, big thing of it was fun. Being cooped up, it was the first thing that that's the first time it ever happened. COVID nineteen. That's I mean, it was Yeah. I think it was around like let's see, January, February, March. Yeah. And I just man got in there bad boy and just got to messing around and uh and when he said he liked it, I was like, Oh man, I said, Okay, let's 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 get it and I thought on the second verse I had something like uh the 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 fruit didn't fall far from the tree or something like that. And he, you know, he said something about the TV screen like a looking glass. I'm like, you know what, dude? I said, that's for real, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it just... We're all cooped up in there watching our TVs. Yeah, and, and listening. And and then uh, I wrote a song uh, a year ago. Actually, yeah. We released it February 25th uh, called The Dark Wolf. And I consider myself, I consider myself the dark wolf. Um like Hank considered himself as Luke the Drifter, you know, you see what I'm saying? So it was like right. two things, and so, um, and so, in this cabin favorite song, we was like, "What can we do in this third verse?" And I said, "Man, I said, well, I mean, we don't, you know, we don't done everything we can do, you know, we've done everything, we go insane." 
I said, being cooped up, I said, we grow our hair out, you know. That's what we tend to do. We do, we do some of the craziest things. You know what? I'm, I'm going to grow my hair out. I'm going to do this. And I said, you know, my ears get long and I start to howl. You know, if, if a wolf ain't wolfing way out of the timber, you finna have some problems. So he got, you know, a wolf. <laughs> when he's out in the, a wolf got a wolf. You know, he got to right. be a wolf. So as a man, a man has to be a man. And when we're in cabin fever, we all tend to uh, get to looking Strange, strange man. You know, we, I think everybody can relate to it. You, you don't know. shave for a while and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Even women, you know, women. If, if it's you got cabin fever, you get out. You know. <laughs> so there's a million ways to skin the cat. Yeah. That's one way. He brought an idea. Another way is well, there's two of us. I bring him an idea. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a song on there. Uh, there's let's see, what would be an example of that? Which one's my five bucks? Well, that was a collaboration. I well, that's that right, that's good. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I you. think there's a song where I started uh, with, uh, I had this idea for a long time. My, my wife uh, <laughs> uh, was a fashion stylist, and she would be able to get me free boots, free shoes. Just She shops at this place all the time and gets, you know... So I would get these boots. I got this pair of boots, and I was like, man, these are the most beautiful <laughs> shoes I've ever seen. And, you know, that would be a kind of cool song. Make it kind of like a – make it kind of – do it from, like, if Kanye West were to write this total, totally egotistical dude, like, in the – like, Kanye <laughs> – pretend it's Kanye West, and he was just writing about his shoes and how much – so I had this idea called Most Beautiful Shoes, and – I just started putting the lyric together, and literally for three years I was putting this lyric together, and I pitched the idea to a few people, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. Why would you write about your shoes, you know? So then I'm, we we had just written Cabin Fever, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there staring at this lyric one night, and I'm thinking, what if it was boots? <laughs> Wait, Aaron wears boots. Light bulb. <laughs> so, ding, ding. I started doing the track, and my goal was to do the track so well, and then to pitch it to Aaron. You didn't know this. This is this is my this is my, my idea. I was, I'm gonna pitch this to Aaron. I'm gonna see if I can get him to to bite on it. And uh, I did. <laughs> and I played him the track and what I had on the lyric, and I was like, "Man, dude, help! You know, help me fill in some blanks on like I know some of these lines are weak. You know, help help me fill in some blanks and figure this out." And thank God you did, man, because, I, I mean, it just, you know, I'd, I'd just be a dude with a... Man, it was fun. A stupid idea if you didn't help me finish that. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed the uh, the idea of it. It was just, because uh, I listen to all, I, like I said, I listen to a, a lot of outlaw country and stuff like that, and now you have country collaborating, you know, going to rap and everything like that. And I, and I always look at, like, if we, if we're going to do this... Let's make this real. So, and I literally formed yeah. the 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 verses, the stanzas, off of um, what's that song? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you, you do it. Okay, I, 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 in my, when I was in early college, like my first year of college, there was a song. Uh, it was called. Uh, um, it's a juvenile song. Hey y'all! Is it back that ass up? Yes. It was back that ass up. Yes. So he would do this cool thing where he'd be like, um, "What were?" Uh, He's a big fine woman. Want your back that thing up? Don't don't take a back that thing up. Don't don't take a want your back that thing up. So the 
the rhyme wasn't on of course it was back that thing up the whole time but the little section before it would rhyme too right and so i i just used that as a template for the lyric on this idea of most beautiful well, i was calling it most beautiful and the idea is basically present uh the the speaker is a guy talking about what you think is a woman at first right. and just talking about how beautiful this object is but by the time you get to the course you learn he's really talking about his boots <laughs> you know the whole time yeah, yeah. It's... and it's backed up by just a jamming i mean we got yeah. 808s kicking we got we got we got this cool stomp thing yeah. going so it sounds like boots in a dance hall i mean it's yeah. badass Record, that's cool record i mean scratching. it's so I had so like, much yeah. fun. And so when did this album come out? Or is it out? <sighs> All right. We, so yeah. why don't you tell them? We we got uh Cabin Fever's out right now, it's video, but it won't be on it won't be on um any other forms uh till uh, February fifth. Okay. Uh the album Cabin Fever will be dropped probably a week after the second single we're gonna drop here. Okay. That, it, I think we I don't know when they move on when they're gonna drop that. But um <sighs> I think it's gonna be next month and they're uh, planning on uh, releasing the single. They put them on the spot, y'all. And then because <laughs> yeah. I think the way Spot I tell me if I'm wrong, but if you release records on Spotify, you you are no longer able to release yes, singles, singles and get them picked up by playlists. Yeah. I don't know if that's a absolutely word, but there's or... you have to submit like there's a week a week's time like seven day time to where that's why you want to release a song like yeah. like a month or three yeah. weeks in advance yeah. to give it time for the for to for it to get into the stores and then you have that right like a week before it's actually released there's a window to where you can submit it to like playlists and stuff like that. So, I don't know how that would work for an album. Okay, so we're releasing two singles first. The first one, like you said, smart. February I like 5. that. Yeah, I like singles. And then the next month, we're going to do the next single. And pretty soon after that, they're going to release the record. Now, we right. did not know that we were making a record. Yeah, That's the thing. We were just writing songs. We were writing songs. And That's how I started out, just writing. Just writing. Whatever we came up with, just writing songs. And before the pandemic hit, this dude was making a living as a singer. I mean, he was just singing everywhere. The Preston Hotel, downtown, this place, that place. I'd just be looking on, on his Instagram. He'd be like, I'm playing out here tonight. Country, like, mu country Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, your boy did that too. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I so, know Eric. Oh, Eric Pasley. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. you get uh -huh. a singer that's working a lot and his voice is in a good place mm -hmm. and, and he's writing a lot and, and his writing had just come so far. The last record he released, I just was loving a lot of these songs and... And um, I, I just felt like an, I, it was an opportunity. So I, I was like, dude, I'm going to write as many songs with this guy as I can right now because he's making records. It'd be wonderful to get some songs on his records. You know, I like what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. And lo and behold, we wrote a bunch of songs and Hal and Rachel Newman came to us and said, hey, guys, we really love what you're doing. Uh, you probably not seeing this coming, but we'd like to buy those tracks from you and, and market market is a pandemic record. Yeah, you know, that's cool. We have a, a vision for what it should be creatively and how the songs should be listed and, and art 
you know, packaging and everything. And I w- I'm, I'm still thrilled about it. I think it's wonderful when somebody recognizes what you're doing. Yeah. And so, fill me in. What does that mean? Like when someone buys your tracks, like what is yeah. what is that doing? Okay, so for back them to and the for business you. side of it, as a producer writer, okay, you there's a copyright, and mm-hmm. it happens immediately. There's right. copyright when you write the lyric, you yeah. know, and that happens immediately. And there's a copyright when you create a track, and that happens immediately. Well, that's my mm-hmm. style of writing and our style of yeah. doing it is we write and we record. I, I, I like to get it around his guitar part because I think his guitar playing is so unique. And uh, warmed up. <laughs> we record that and then we start building a track and he gives input and I give input and we go for it, you know? Okay. And then, uh, so you end up and he's delivering these amazing vocals because his muscle again is strong. He's been for a few years. I mean, he's been here for seven years just doing it. And it's at this great high level. And I was just like, wow, opportunity. Right. And we wrote well together and we, the song, we were, we were reciprocating with ideas, you know, and bringing each other ideas, and it was just clicking. Yeah. And uh, at that point, you've got a body of work, and I think just early on, I said, hey, man, you know, we own, legally, we own these tracks together. Mm-hmm. It's your voice. Right. You know? Uh, so, you know, if Hal wants to put one of these songs on his record, that's that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to sell you guys on how awesome these songs are. I'd love to see one of these get yeah. cut by you got your production, Hal, and, and your production process. That'd be wonderful if you'd take one of these. And, yeah. Well, it turns out they wanted to actually use the, our, our tracks. Okay. Yeah. And we own them, so there has to be a transaction. You know, you gotcha. have to sell the copyrights. Okay. Not the underlying copyright, not the words and the music. So he wants to take the, the songs and like get them cut by somebody else, or no? no. They as a record label or just now to market own them. Okay, those tracks. Yeah. Gotcha. They don't. You know, I I still own my underlying copyright. Yeah. Sure. He still has his underlying copyright, but they own the tracks. Yeah. You know, and and there's all sorts of ways of different deals back end that that can happen. Yeah. That that it did happen, and yeah. you know that's that creativity so know, now it just means that they own part of it as well so they get a cut and y'all get a cut whenever yeah. it sells or yeah. streamed exactly or right. whatever right exactly yeah okay that's cool yeah but yeah. they're incentivized because they own most of it and you know they're you know they're that's yeah, it's... you know all of it they, we have we have a we made a great deal and i'm so thankful for the opportunity to do it Right, so y'all get actually, y'all actually get money on the front end because they bought it from you, right? A- absolutely, mm-hmm. and like I said, like you get creative. There's all sorts of ways mm-hmm. to creatively figure out w- what you need, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I, for me, the most important thing is, dude. If this thing blows up, don't leave me in the dust. Right. You know, that's the most. If you important go make a thing. million, don't give me ten bucks. Yeah, you know? I'm not trying to break anybody here. You know, I, I we I, I did it just because I thought they were demos. Sure. You know. 
Yeah. Now, if I was a staff producer for Big Loud like Joey Moy, yeah, I'd want, you know, a, 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 it'd be a different situation. But mm-hmm. again, there's a million different ways to skin the cat when you're making deals too. So I'm, I'm very pleased with it. And now I'm incredibly motivated as a co-writer and a co-producer with Aaron to help make that project an instrument that, uh, satisfies my goal of getting songs to number one on country radio that's a sign that's on on as soon as you open my door and you know i don't i don't want to jive talk or anything you know so that's that's can only be good for aaron's careers to have hits right you know we live in them you know we just gotta put them down on paper you know but that's uh that's how I started out, though. It's just writing. We never thought it was gonna be an album. We just writing what we felt. Cause I don't think all the country artists get to do that. Yeah. You look at it. I don't think they get to write what they, you know, what the feel, what what people. I mean, everybody don't go out and party and feel every day and sit right. tailgate and drink. We don't. Everybody don't do that every day, you know. But we all do. Like pay bills. We all get cooped up. We all got boots. We at like. We all got our favorite place to eat. We all um, have woman trouble. <laughs> We all have, uh, uh, we all like swimming with women, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's things that, that, you know, when it comes to writing a song, shouldn't nothing be held back. And when it comes to recording and producing, I look at it as like what we've done, you know, yeah, it's demo, but at the end of the day, it's music, you mm-hmm. know, so. If it's on the front porch or if it's in the studio, that's why I look at it. And right, I think Nashville, I think America, I think the world need to hear the music we're, we're making. I mean, it's it's bluesy, it's country, it's it's rock. It's got a little bit of rap, if you want to say. It's depending on how you take to it, and it's hitting all over the board. If you're gonna make a, I tell anybody, if you're gonna make an album, hit all over the board. Do something that you ain't used to doing. Step out of your comfort zone. When I first moved here, somebody told me, which is name Eddie Gore. Eddie said, Aaron Vance, you do country. He said, that's all good. He said, but what else can you do? He said, step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell anybody, if you're going to make an album, step out of your comfort zone. Do everything you can on that album till you pretty much dotted every I and crossed every T pretty much. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's that's the road to it. Cause I didn't know that we was gonna write an album. We was, I just know we was at we were having one fun. o'clock in the morning in the studio, man, <laughs> talking right. about some oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we could, you know, write another record if we wanted to. We we definitely have a process, and we we definitely click and and all those wonderful things. And we own it, man. The cool thing about also you, Aaron, that you've been doing is. I love where you're coming at as a songwriter. I feel like in the last two, three years, your song, like, you probably could, like, even Cabin Fever, before you invited me in on it, was, like, that could have been a done song. Yeah. could have been a done song. And, and I'm really thankful that you let me, uh, you know, explore what you thought could be tighter. And, um, but, but the fact that you're able to write such good songs by yourself uh, is 
the number one most amazing thing about you, man. You have a completely unique perspective. Um, so, for example, where, where does that come in handy in this process? I had this idea for a long time. And the, let, let's say the theme of it is if Lincoln was here today, if Abraham Lincoln was here today, what, what would he say about the state of everything? And I'm not going right. to get political on you. Oh, yeah. But regardless of what side of the table you're on, I think Abraham Lincoln, who I think we all can agree was a good guy, would be kind of not happy with the way things are going. You know? Right. doesn't matter yeah. where you're at, both sides. And... That was the that was the theme of this of this idea that I wanted to write for literally years, and so I'm working with Aaron, and I'm thinking, man, that would be because you have all these ideas, and as a songwriter, I really started to get freed up when I started writing with a lot of different people and thinking, man, what would that idea that came from Richard Carg's head, that whenever I write, right, because I was an artist, I always think about it from it came from something that I wanted to say first. But what would that sound like coming from a woman's perspective? Right. Oh, that yeah. breathes new life into it. That gives so many more lyrical other lyrical possibilities. Well what would Lincoln what would Lincoln say? Well what if that came from a black man? How interesting is that? Right. Wow. I'm working with Aaron Vance right now. Well, if I can make this into something, maybe he'll like it and want to sing it. Well, I was sitting on the couch and I was watching, I can't remember what movie it was, but somebody just said, well, 20 bucks says that such and such. I don't even remember what it was about. <laughs> so 20 bucks says, and I just thought to myself, that's it. That's how you write the song. Because who gives a shit about a song about what would Lincoln say? I mean, that's just a soapbox idea. Who, who cares? It's, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's an idea, but there's no, there's no concept to what yeah. makes it a cool... You know, you have to have a theme. What is this thing actually about? And then you have to have a concept. What is the unique twist? What, whether it be lyrically or musically or... You know, there has to be some sort of concept that makes it interesting. And that was it. Five bucks yeah. says. So I wrote the chorus. Uh, five bucks says we're still created equal. Five bucks says he's still be honest, Abe. Pull my wallet out and ask him right now. Five bucks says he's rolling in his grave. He'd say That's it cool. ought to be illegal to keep a man down this long. Never know for sure, but if I was to guess, that's what five bucks says. I got stuck after that. I didn't know how to set it up. Right. I had no idea. I, I, I tried a couple things and it That's sucked. just the chorus, right? That's just the mm -hmm. chorus. Right. Idea is five bucks says. Well, the idea is Lincoln would not be, you know, no matter yeah. what side of the table you're on, Lincoln would be just be like, guys, you're messing this up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, Lincoln, yeah. With Aaron, I get together and I, I tell him about the idea and... We get in the room, and he's willing to explore it. And he says, well, put them in a bar. Put two guys at a bar. Mm -hmm. And that was it. 
we figured it out very easily. You can say that. anything at that point because yeah. all kinds guys. of stuff are said at bars, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's the so, simple conversations between so. two people, you know, just mm -hmm. five bucks is is a guy calling calling dude. So it ends up being what would Lincoln say if he were here today, sitting at this bar talking like we are? What would Lincoln do watching all this news? He wouldn't turn his head. I'm willing to bet. Five bucks says we're still created equal. Five mm -hmm. bucks says he's still be honest, Abe. Pull my wallet out and ask him right now. Five bucks says he's rolling in his grave. That's good. <laughs> He'd say it ought to be illegal to keep a man down this long. Never know for sure, but if I were to guess, that's what five bucks says. Killer. And not saying that you should be unhappy with the current administration, not saying that at all. I'm saying the way the people in the country are treating each other. That's right. it. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm not talking about politics at yeah. all. I'm talking about the way we treat each other. Right. Lincoln would be rolling in his freaking grave right now. That's not what this could be. Right. Yeah. So I'm so proud of that. So that's my favorite song I've ever been a part of. It's ever. tight. It's like I said. It, we never, we never thought it was. It would get to an album. We were just writing. In a song like that, that is as charged as it was, yeah. I didn't even think about doing a track to it. It was just a guitar and a vocal. Yeah, guitar and vocal, yeah. I was like, you know what? There's no way that anybody's, you know, going to think this is as cool as I do. Right. You know, so, <laughs> well, thank hear? God for yeah. Rachel Newman and Hal Newman. And, and they included it in the project and loved the song i had no idea literally we wrote it and months later they're like yeah that song's on the record and they put it at yeah, the number two spot wow an acoustic song at the number two spot i think it's a brilliant idea yeah. I, I you know as a guy who has sequenced his own records in his head for years i never would have thought to put put that right there not the number two spot but that's kind of the fun I remember when doing uh, Feedback Revival a few yeah. years ago, doing our uh, our self-titled album, which was our second album. And just, because uh, you got a batch of songs, but then you're like, what would it sound like if we like did this song into that one? And that, the, the whole thing, how it flows. I was yeah. just, it's just another creative aspect of it, you know, that unless you're in there actually doing it, like you yeah. don't even think about it. It's like... If you're listening to, I mean, I like Coldplay or uh, all kinds of rock stuff, whatever, but like how the songs flow from one to the next is just makes it even more powerful. Yeah, you know? it does. Because it, it really it's almost you can stack the messages, yes, like in a certain way. You can't, yeah, you can't. That, it, that's pretty much how they uh stacked this one, it, and it was, it's, it, was it's, it was interesting. I had them on my. <laughs> On my phone, I had the songs a different way, and I was like, I was like, that's that's how I should be. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and so when I heard it, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, um, yeah, it was a fun thing. That was that was uh, they they stacked it pretty well, and uh, it it tells a, a hell of a pandemic story. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we we got a bunch of them. The reason I was having lunch with Hal and Rachel today is because Hal and I went over and picked up copies of the record. Yeah. They got some promotional ones printed. I want you to have a copy. Cool. Yeah. It's I appreciate all yours, bro. Enjoy we'll, it. We'll crank it up here. Bump Enjoy it. Up, and, uh, I'd love to know what you think about it, you know, and if it's not your cup of tea, that's okay, man. It really is. But oh, I'll listen to everything. But, uh, he'll find something to like. 
If you got an 808 and a Dobro, I mean, hey, I'm oh, good. <laughs> I think you'll like it. We in the we's in that bad like boy, it. dude. Just that, like, that's the that's the most fun I ever had making an album. That was I mean, it was too fun. I mean, to go in at different times at night, morning, night, man. That's the that's where it's at, you know. Yeah, well, that was the fun thing about it, though. And they they let me mix it. And they let me master it. And mastering yeah. is something I'd never done before. Yeah. And I learned a whole bunch. And I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to uh, to do Richard Karg's version of mastering, <laughs> you know, for what it's worth. Sure. I had a great time. It was a learning curve for sure. And, and I'm sure I'm only scratching the surface. So this is, a, this is a geek out test. But do you like K14, K12? What's your, what's your mastering volume that you set levels at? Or do you know what I'm talking about? Um, the K system. No, no, I don't. What I did was use what is um, loudnesspenalty.com. Okay. I went to loudnesspenalty.com and I made sure that my mixes, which is an amazing website awesome. that for free, you're allowed to take your um, track and make sure and put it onto their site and it will tell you what each Spotify, Amazon, um, all of the streaming services, what they would do to adjust it to make it, you know, fit to their standards. Right. Because they have an algorithm that they go off of. So if it's too loud, they're going to knock it down. If it's too soft, they're going to bring it up regardless right. of what you send them. So it's like they're going to change it anyway. Right. You know. And what I wanted it to do was I wanted it to be I wanted to shoot to make each one of my tracks to where they would have to bring them down no more than two, but, but one to two. Right. And so the, as far as headroom, you know, like instead of them bringing it up a little bit, they'd just be bringing it down because like you just said, they're going to normalize it their own selves, you know? Yeah. So, and as far as um, what you were just talking about, the K-14, is K twelve? Yeah. Please tell me. I'm trying to learn all this crap. Well, K. The K <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're going to geek out for a second on recording yeah. lingo. But uh, back in the '80s, Bob Katz. Okay. This is where the K comes from. He basically created a standard of measurement for loudness for for loudness of audio and for uh, and for video, like movies and stuff. Okay. You know, because that's why when you're in a theater. Like things can get like super loud, but yet you can still hear like normal dialogue. Yeah. Right. So it's all mastered in such a way to where, um, like classical music is usually like around the K twenty setting, and all that means is like if you got from the floor all the way to the top, that's, that's like your full scale dB dBFS full scale. So what the K system's doing is saying. We're taking, if it's K14, for instance, we're, K, we're taking 14 dB from the top and moving it down to the negative 14 area and now making that zero. Ah. Right? So, so your RMS level, which is the average loudness of your track, is hitting that K14, which is now zero mark, and now your peaks have all that headroom yeah. To go up to zero without going over. That's why we have a like a limiter set like negative point one or something, right. just to catch any any like little transients that right. that would naturally make your song peak, but now it's not, right? So, 
that's all it's doing really it's just giving you a, a standard of measurement of loudness right and i think spotify they do theirs at like negative 14 youtube might be something different like 12 or something i don't know whatever it is but like that just gives you a good range and most of the time i mean people say if you mix a song like mix it to a loudness of like k20 so that way when you do send it to a mastering engineer he has plenty of room to work with yes versus giving him like a k10 track which is like already squashed and it's already like he his hands are tied he can't do anything at that point right you know right so you just you're just allowing each part of the of the path of the audio to like room to breathe you, you want those transients i think of it like if you compress something too much mm. it's almost like you're trying to punch somebody but like you're short arming arm yeah. them, right but to get the full impact you want that arm to reach all the way yeah, out yeah, yeah. right so that's what you want the audio to do is that you want the, all those transients to have the full spectrum Right. So that way you're not choking, you're not choking yeah. it out. Well, I think this is going to be, if you listen to it, I think you'll like it because you're going to hear a lot of those imperfections. You're going to hear mm -hmm. a guy mixing and, and mastering and it's going to sound funky and it's going to sound, but I think that that's one of the coolest things about this project yeah. is that it's funky. Yeah. Right. All the way down. And, you know, my style of, recording has always been and 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 for me like the goals you know i pitch my songs i pitch them to artists i pitch them to whoever you know is, is i can find that's looking and i've always been trying to make those demos sound better and better and i've got friends that i a guy named kyle ginther has helped me out so much another guy named jc monterosa and and these guys have taught me about um you know, parallel compression and two mixes and, 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 and what I'm using on my master fader. And, and right. you know, as far as that's the extent of my geek out, but the fact that I was able to get to master it at the same time, I, I, think, I think that's a really cool thing to do because you know your track mm -hmm. really well. Right. And I spent a lot of time doing what a mastering engineer, I think Goodwin, uh, does. But I did a lot of that in the actual mixing, you know, in the mixing process. I was doing tons of EQing right. while I was mixing. I was, you know, I was I was messing around with that the whole time, and so. That's awesome, man. <laughs> in headroom, yeah, you, you've got to leave headroom for these guys to work and. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm just thankful. To me, if I, if I can grow more as, as a mastering engineer for my own stuff, I think that'd be a beautiful thing because uh, you, you really have so much control and there's so much knowledge out there about how to do things. And um, so, for example, Nathan, I, I'd pay you... If you wanted to come over and I'd spend, hey man, what, what can I pay you to come spend a day with me and teach me what you know about this, yeah. you know? And you'd come over to my office and I'd take notes and I'd be like, all right, I cool. Mean, peanut butter and jelly sandwich would be good enough. You know, I don't care. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And then hey, the next real. 30 songs that I write, I'm tracking <laughs> and I'm applying that and I'm mastering, right. you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm adding what I learn. And so it's just fun, man. I, I, I love it. I freaking love it. I'm in love with the whole process and, and 
and it yeah. might not sound as good as the next guy, but you know what? That's I'm using that as my, you know, David had the advantage of being small and quick relative mm-hmm. to Goliath. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and, he had the Lord on his side too, so that helped a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. Had some rocks in that thing, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Give anybody a headache, you hear me? Right. <laughs> yeah. He had three stones that were damn deadly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that was uh, the funny thing about my story is, you know, I went to MTSU, but I was a music industry major, which was technically a music major with like a recording minor. Okay. But it's more like the business side, like copyright yeah. law, whatever, snooze alert, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> Hey, I took that. I love that class so much. I took it twice. Okay. Oh, <laughs> was, was it Jeff both times? Uh, no, it was uh, Lauren Moraine the first oh, time. Which cool. I follow him on Instagram. I, I reached out to him. He was like, "Hey, we should do a track together or something. It'd be fun." Hey, but, Lauren. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Hope you get to. I know, man. But uh, but it was cool. I I knew a lot of people in the program, so I was always in the studio, like wrapping cables, setting up mics. And once you, I think once you catch the bug. You can't get rid of it, yeah, which man, is why I have all this stuff everywhere. <laughs> you dude, know, this... twenty years later, here I am, you know, like sitting with you guys, yeah. talking about music, talking about gear and recording, and working with bands, working with singers. Um, I work a lot with Lance Allen, who does uh, fingerstyle, fingerstyle okay. acoustic music. Yeah. He's the king of Spotify. He pays his mortgage and then some every month. Just with Spotify streams. So I think last month he got like half a million streams just in one month. But he's cranking out like cover tunes. He's doing originals. Uh, he does a thing with uh, Avery Bright. Yeah, Avery Bright. He does violin stuff. So they have a duo now where he'll, like, he'll play the guitar. Avery will do the violin arrangement. It's just gorgeous stuff. I'll send you, send you some links. But... Uh, so I record a lot of Lance and, you know, just sharpening my skills, just wow. working with different music, different artists. and That's amazing. What, you know, it's fun. What are your, like, like I, I've kind of spilled my, showed you my hand, like what what I'm going for. What What is the, what is the dream for you? What is, what, what is. That's a good question. Yeah. At first. When I was in the band, when I was in feedback, which I loved, I still love. I would play shows still if I if I could. Um, but we've kind of moved on. And me and Dan, like we still love each other. We still, you know, respect each other. But we can just kind of moved on from that. But the Europe tour really showed me that I wasn't cut out for the road, especially with wife and kids. It's just, it's not for me. So I like being behind the glass. I like sitting here pushing the buttons and working with people and so I guess my end goal if I could if I if I could imagine my perfect day would wake up, make breakfast for my family, work on music with whoever, maybe work on some YouTube videos. And that's another aspect that I really kind of fell into in the last three or four years was my heart is for teaching. I never wanted to be like a band director or anything like that. So I love doing private lessons. You know, I teach guitar, bass, drums, piano, all kinds of instruments. Yeah. I've had banjo students before, whatever, you know, I'll teach anything. 
Because it's music, it's just language, you know, yeah. language of music. So, uh, so when I found YouTube, and you mean I can just set up a, a camera and just start teaching and release it, and people actually watch this stuff, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cool because I got a memory on on my Facebook like three years ago, like a few, you know, as of like a month ago, whatever. Three years ago, I had like 300 subscribers, and now I just passed like 7,300. So I'm growing. I mean, some yeah, people can do that. Yeah, yeah. Some people can get like 100,000 in three years, but like I got seven. Okay. Well, it just means I got 7,000 people that actually give a crap and like subscribe, click the bell. They keep watching video after video. They yeah. keep commenting, asking me more questions, which gives me more ideas about future videos. It's like... So I can teach through the internet. Okay, that's cool. Um, so I also have a website, Dr. McFarland Studios, and I have a membership where I teach about music theory, gear, and recording. And so now I have like over 100 videos talking about music theory, talking about recording, talking about uh, mainly the head rush, uh, pedal board. But I'm just using it as a platform to teach about amps pedals guitars you know effects you know that whole aspect of it um so that's really my my end goal is like i want to make money through youtube through my website and through the studio just do music full-time that's awesome it hasn't happened yet but i'm getting there <laughs> I, need, I need to put a sign by some of my bed or something and just look at it every day before i go to bed and when i wake up you know but you're able to do it, man. That's the thing yeah. about it, though. You know? But in the meantime, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm slinging and flinging at Publix, man. helping out little old grannies get pickles off the top shelf, whatever it is. Absolutely. Because I'm a people person, you know. I have a heart for people. Yeah. I'll serve you. I'll clean your boots. I'll go and grab some garlic for you off aisle two. I don't care. You know, if I can serve you in any way, yeah. that's what I, that's what I'm here for, you know. I mean, you're you're looking at two working men right here, man. That's, that's, right. that's the deal. And... and you you've got when you're in a, I remember you remember Tom Hutchison at MTSU yeah so we were there at a very interesting time we were there in the early 2000s right okay here we are 20 years later I had just got my first cell phone in 04 <laughs> wow I didn't have a cell phone until after I graduated college man <laughs> my my family moved to Nashville in 1983 to pursue my father's songwriting my father wow it's a great songwriter he is he writes songs by himself to this day and and records them and 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 he actually is starting his own uh, uh podcast where it's called uh, i love songs and that's he, cool i would listen to that <laughs> oh it's so cool he and he does um live stuff at different times of the day for different parts of the country you know it's a really cool idea anyways um what I grew up watching him at the Bluebird and when I really got interested and I went and saw my favorite songwriter of all time, Costas. I remember when I was 16, 17 years old and I just fell in love with, all right, I think, I'm, I think I'd like to, you know, give this a try. And I remember at that time in the 90s, you could make a lot of money as a songwriter on cuts album cuts oh yeah you can make a living you know and let's define living as forty thousand dollars or more a year 
Okay. Sure. Okay, that's one half of a, a partnership. You know, two a married couple both make forty thousand. That's almost a hundred grand a year. That's that's a good living. And um, well, you know, you get to when we're in college, and the bomb, the atom bomb drops with <laughs> digital and, and MP3s and, and and file sharing. Napster so, and <laughs> whatever. Man. Publishing is literally decimated. The word decimate. Decimal means one-tenth. Mm-hmm. Publishing goes from this thing that I grew up with to where... And I remember Tom Hutchison when we were in college saying, I think there's, I think we're training, uh, you know, uh, us as uh, professors at MTSU are, are now going to be training a working class of musicians. Right. And I didn't yeah. understand it at the time. I didn't understand it. And, but I always wonder, you know, there's a lot of guys that... Uh, I wonder. I always wonder what what are the actual fact? What's the actual real number of songwriters who are making a living now? Right. And you know, there's a lot of people that are songwriters, but how many of them are actually? And let's define a living as making forty thousand dollars a year consistently mm-hmm. or more. And what I'm thinking, I'm seeing, and there's no way of really knowing because I'm not that privilege or inside or whatever, but I think, I think there's a whole lot of working class, blue collar songwriters, musicians out there, you know? Yeah. And that's what we do. I, right now I have been blessed enough to, to be invited into a situation where I'm learning how to, how to do demolition and, and handyman stuff for, uh, uh, a family that I grew up with and, and, and getting a bunch of work doing that. So I go in every day with my hard hat and my uh, getting overalls and get a good boots. workout. You got you know? your big boots over here? Hey, he's getting it, man. <laughs> Those are serious boots, man. He is getting it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Aaron, you're, you know, and the pandemic just threw a wrench in everything, didn't it? Yeah. Right. How did you, how did you navigate the pandemic? I literally, I was at Guitar Center they had cut my hours like eight Dang. hours a week, which is like, wow. but that one like because of the pandemic, it was just like, I keep getting less and less hours. Why? I don't understand. Whoa, it was cutting like that, boy. Yeah, it was weird. So, uh, the the manager at Publix, he would come in on his lunch break, and he was like, I can get your job over at Publix. So I let it go for like a month. I think that was like January. Then like in February, I was like, I ain't making no money here, dude. Like commission at Guitar Center is like whatever commission you make for that month, you don't get paid till the second pay period of the next month. How can you make how can you support a family like that? Whoa. On eight hours Mm-mm. a week. Nope. It, it can't happen. No. I've made no money. So anyway, it's the way it is. That's why I'm in credit card debt. But whatever. <laughs> no. Uh so yeah, I was started with Publix and I think about that time when COVID really started getting serious, you yeah. know, everything started shutting down and, and I was like, I never thought of myself working at a grocery store, but it's kind of, I mean, it's a central worker, You're you know, right it is. uh, people got to have their food. So, For real, yes. uh, so, uh, this coming March here in a few months, it'll be one year since I've been at Publix and it's a great company. I love yeah. the values there. I love the the people work hard. I work hard. We all get along great. We've got a great team of people I work with. And 
Uh, I'm just chicken too. I'm just yeah, <laughs> dude. Got some good bread. Yes, yeah, yes. bread, bread. Everything there. Uh, <laughs> so it's just really a blessing to to be in that situation and try something new. I just turned forty back in November, and it's like uh, so. So far, I've been a a college student, a Sam's Club cart pusher. <laughs> I worked at Gibson for 10 years, a warehouse Man. picker and yeah. trainee. I was a trainer at a warehouse because I like teaching. So they put me in a training position, which is cool. That's awesome. uh, insurance agent, guitar seller at Guitar Center, and Jack now, uh, now a Publix slinging that dog food on shelves, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Hey, the 15-pound awesome. bag of dog food is no joke, man. Oh, I've been you got to have some guns to pick that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Proud of you. Brother, I mean, just keep we going, are, you know? We're, we're all of the exact same. We're of the Oregon Trail generation. I'm I'm turning 40 in February, uh, next month, and you yeah. turned 40 last month. Yeah. Cool. And that's yeah. a very Happy rare birthday, thing, guys. man. Birthday, man. <laughs> our, our generation went through the... the the crash in 28 208 right as we got right. out of college mm -hmm. big time affected me and my brother's career big oh, time yeah. all of a sudden we're getting all great bookings and we're having to spend every dollar we make on gas so we can get there it's pretty demoralizing man oh yeah and uh you know here we are in a pandemic and and we're uh, you know we're, we're doing what we have to do to make to make it happen because we got families Right. And uh, you guys are good men. And, and Aaron, I'm so proud to to be working with you. And I'm I'm so happy to reconnect with you. Yeah. That's, and hear that you're do doing stuff. so well. I'm more of a music guy than a lyric. I can do lyrics, but I love it. I have I've, I've a few uh, projects right now where this guy, I think he's up in Kentucky. He sends me his lyrics, no melody or anything. And I just... I just put the music to it. I do the melody. I do the production and everything. I like that. Yeah. Cuz like sometimes he can send me a lyric yeah. or I can I can get a lyric and I can interpret it totally different way than what they originally intended. Yeah. And I can just flip it on its head and be like this is what I came up with and they love it. There's a million so, ways to skin a cat. I know, man. It's crazy. It that, that's, <laughs> I love that. That's a beautiful way to do it, man. That's an awesome way to do it. Start. And I'll even like taking words out. It's like I'll rewrite a line yeah. if I don't think it's it fits or whatever. Here's a book that you should read that would totally be in your wheelhouse. Do you read a lot? I need to do more, but I I need yeah no, but I need to do more. <laughs> I have a lot of time. I love that ass. <laughs> it's like I should, but yeah, no, not really. <laughs> do you drive a lot? All the time, yeah. Okay, so get it audio books on tape. It's yeah, the best yeah. way to do it. There's a book called. Um, Oh, it's about, uh, oh shit, um, Rogers and Hammerstein, and I'm blanking, it came out two years ago, and it totally talks about the way that they, uh, it's biographical for each of them, and mm -hmm. then it shows how they got together, and these are the guys that did Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Um, I Where think the, the wind comes sweeping down the plains. <laughs> I think the last major one that they did was like... Um, yeah. The Sound of Music. But that was their process. They literally were never together when they wrote songs. Wow. I mean, it happened when they were together, but most of the time, 90% of the time, uh, let me get this right, Hammerstein was in Connecticut, and Dick was, Rogers was, I think, in New York. 
and uh, Hammerstein, and they eventually had very quickly they had success together, and they started their own production company. So they were able to control more of the process for their plays mm-hmm. and and have their hands in more parts of it. But anyways, the music is what it's all about. Again, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And they would uh, Hammerstein would come up with the lyrics, and he would write write the 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 play he'd basically write it and he'd send it over to dick rogers and dick was just this amazing musician who was always working in his craft becoming a better musician piano player yeah and you know he'd be taking what he'd be learning on at the time and throw it in the new crop of songs you know that's that's a great way to do it man yeah that's got to be fun well i mean you think of like elton john and bernie Toppin or anybody that like you got a music guy you got a lyric guy Boom. Boom. P and Burn and Jelly, man, just slap them together. Slap them together, baby. <laughs> it's gonna work. I think that's awesome. Do you do you continue to learn more stuff about guitars? And I'm, you must be if you're always diving into this gear. Oh yeah. I mean I've just got two new ones. And do you find <laughs> learn about those, you know? Do you find it coming out in the songwriting? Uh do you find those? I explore new different tones and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Still. It's fun. That's awesome. I love it. Songwriting rocks. So, so let's wrap this thing up and let's say what's what's the what's the goal for the rest of this year? We just started a new year, twenty twenty one. What's uh what's on the agenda for you guys? I'll let you go first. Oh man, one thing is uh get this album out there, but uh we work harder doing what we do. Rich said something today that that's the that's the truth about every that should be true about every artist and he said cabin fever is a song he said when you wrote that song he said we wrote that song with uh that song has legs and we as artists are here on this earth for something and the goal for this year is to whatever we do writing whatever we write Make sure we write it with legs. So therefore, when we leave here, the songs that we wrote will always walk with a step mm-hmm. and never get old. So my goal is this year is to is to keep pushing what we got and make sure we push it to the best that we can and to get it out there. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, and to live off of it, not have to go Instacart. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, the goal. That's the, that's that's the, the goal. absolute goal. You know, I I can't be the best singer of all time, but just to make my name and to say, hey, he did it, and he is one of the ones that uh, walked the walk and talked the talk. So yeah, but my my goal is to to push it. It's cool. And to live off of it. So yeah. Um, one song a month, written and recorded, that I wrote by myself. Uh, with trying to continue to become a better, you know, better melody. And uh, I think another thing that pertaining to Aaron that I'm trying to grow is my ability to think big. I, I think that there needs to be a major paradigm shift in the way I've been thinking about how to, how to promote this record. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking... Like, for example, of a guy that makes the kind of money that I make. You know, I need to start thinking about 
you know, the kind of money I make is a joke to to the to the people that actually promote records in the country music business. Right. You know, so for me to get ten thousand dollars to invest into it, it would take, you know, a quarter of my year. You know, I, I can't afford to do that. So I need to figure out a way to to think bigger. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have the record, man. I, I think we really have the record, and we have the vehicle. The artist is amazing, and it's just I need to figure out a way to think, to think really freaking way bigger than I've been thinking. Right. You know, and I, I, I that takes help. I'm looking for help. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's awesome, guys. Well, thanks for coming in. I was expecting Rich and got, got a little something extra, which is Aaron great. Vince. Yeah, man, it was a. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't expecting it either, to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, like I said, we was a few hours ago. We was at uh, Target picking up some baby clothes and. Mm-hmm. That's where it all starts. Yeah, man, whatnot. <laughs> so I know she's probably at home. Like uh, when he get here, I'm gonna leave him. <laughs> Up for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's that's fun, man. It's uh, thank you for having us too, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, this thanks, is great. Nathan, it's, man. It's, I've been trying to I've been trying to find people, you know, because the, the the podcast name is Community of Confident Musicians, which is really it's not about it's not about a website or a Facebook group, but it's more of when you become confident in what you do. You can therefore go and teach others to do the same. Yeah. And then, then over not overnight, but like, eventually the the community grows. Yeah. Of these people that are like more and more confident, they're more confident on stage, more confident in the studio, in songwriting, whatever whatever aspect of music they're working on at the time is like. Once you become more confident in that, it just gives you more avenues to the. Yeah think bigger you know because we because you, you don't know what you don't know right? right yeah until you do know a little bit more and more and more and then that's where it's, things start really going off so yeah that's my goal is like just learn just teach what i've what i've learned over the years pass it on to somebody else and then hopefully they can do that for the next person the next person the next person so that's what we're here for thank yep. you for the opportunity yeah. to be here yeah man anytime let's do it again oh man it was it was a blast it's a great to maybe see we you. need to have a whole podcast of just like capturing a writing session or something that might man. be fun <laughs> dude I, I guarantee you we can make it happen man. oh yeah it's, i guarantee it can we can make it happen that'd be cool and you got a lot to write about you have a lot to man. write about brother. yeah you have a lot to too write much about. you can write <laughs> Like that, the stuff you're doing. <laughs> but like I said, I may not start. I don't. I don't like starting lyrics, but I love taking other people's lyrics and like expounding on them. Yeah, it kind of because it kind of gives me like a roadmap or like it's like a good starting point, and then I can go off. Oh yeah. From there, you know. What? Well, I mean, it's. But just like you with the phone thing, like I have a whole notes, like the notes app on your phone. I have a whole thing just of like YouTube video ideas and like little phrases and yeah stuff it's where it has to start somewhere because when you're stuck you know when you're stocking pickles at Publix it's just like 
Your mind is going yeah. off. Yeah. I, I love doing. I love doing a work a job yes. where I don't really have to think. Yes. So I can think about other things like music. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's why I like Instacart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Instacart. Yes. Well, folks, that was a great example of what can happen when you get three musicians in the same room and you just start talking about life and music and everything and just having a blast. So I really do appreciate Rich Karg and Aaron Vance coming in, uh, just talking about their heart and what they've been up to the last however long since they've known each other and what it really takes to do the songwriting thing. I mean, you really have to be committed to it, have it be a daily thing that you just do because you love it. And I hope anyone out there that wants to be a songwriter can get some inspiration from our conversation here. So be sure to subscribe to the channel. And if you like the podcast, give it a five-star review. Let me know what you think. So that's all for this week's episode. I will see you next time. Keep rocking.